Well, it's good to see you this morning. I wonder how many of you got here early thinking you were coming to the 940 service. I, uh, I would have forgotten myself if Mary hadn't said last night, be sure to set your clocks ahead tonight. And so we did at the last minute. By the way, as you leave the service this morning, be sure to greet those who think they're coming to the 11 o'clock. <laughs> Let's think for a moment what it would be like if we completely lost our ability to remember. To remember people, places, dates, events. To remember our occupations or even who we are. What would that be like if it was all just completely blotted out? Imagine having to ask for directions every time you wanted to go to your own home. And then when you unlock the door and walk in, everything is totally unfamiliar. Imagine seeing your mother or your spouse or your children and not recognizing them, needing to be reintroduced every time. Imagine looking into the mirror and not recognizing the face that's looking back at you. Imagine sitting through a sermon and then the minute you walk out the door, you've forgotten everything that you've heard. Oh, wait a minute, that is what happens. Some of you have friends or relatives with Alzheimer's, and you know all too well what it's like to see someone lose the knowledge of who they are. Because who we are depends largely on our ability to remember. You know, that's true of us as Christians as well. Who we are as Christians depends on our ability to remember, to remember Christ. That's one of the most important reasons that we gather together for worship every week. We're actually probably here for many different reasons or combinations of reasons this morning. But collectively, we're here for one main reason, to remember our Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because who we are as Christians depends on our ability to remember Christ. And if we don't remember Christ, we won't stay true to Christ. Sometime in my younger years, I learned a chorus. I don't know if it was in Sunday school or vacation Bible school or or just where it was, but it went like this. Keep me true, Lord Jesus, keep me true. Keep me true, Lord Jesus, keep me true. There's a race that must be run. There's a victory to be won. Every hour by thy power, keep me true. Anybody ever hear that chorus? I one or two. Nobody in the last service did, but I'm glad that you know it. It's a wonderful little chorus. I, I love that chorus. As you can see, it's a prayer, really. It's, it's a prayer for the Lord Jesus to keep us faithful to himself. And that's Paul's charge to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2, our passage for this morning. Paul knew that Timothy would face hardship and trials and opposition in his work for Christ So Paul admonishes him to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Stay true to your calling, Timothy, not in your own power, but in the power of Christ at work in you. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. In verse 2, he instructs Timothy to teach the word of God to reliable believers who can then teach and train others in order to keep the church grounded in faith as the gospel message spreads. Paul's primary priorities are spreading the gospel message and establishing the church wherever the gospel takes root. 
But Paul knew from personal experience that it wouldn't be easy. Not everyone would be thrilled to hear the good news. So he goes on and he says in verse 3, Endure hardship with us like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Be warned, Timothy. Not everyone's going to like you or your message. But hang in there and be strong in Christ. This is important work you're doing. And he goes on and tells a little bit about what that looks like. Gives some examples. And then in verse 8, he says, Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. Paul's basically saying, how can you be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus? How can you endure hardship like a good soldier of Christ Jesus? How can you stay true to Christ in the face of trials, struggles, and persecution? Here's how. Remember Jesus Christ. Remember our resurrected Lord. Now, what does Paul mean by that? I mean, does he really think that Timothy is going to forget Jesus Christ? Well, yes. That's exactly what he's concerned about. Not in the sense that Timothy would lose all recollection of him, that someday he'd say, Jesus who? Not, not in that sense, but, but in the sense that he would grow weary of the day-to-day -day struggles and develop a sort of spiritual forgetfulness, that he would begin to lose his hope, lose sight of the goal of his faith, and start living as if he had never known Christ or been loved by him. Paul feared that Timothy might forget his identity in Christ. And so he says, Timothy, remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead and descended from David. It's important that you do this because who you are as a Christian depends on your ability to remember Christ. Paul's words are true for each of us. Who we are as Christians depends on our ability to remember Christ. We must never forget who we are and whose we are. We are Christians. We belong to Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. It's imperative that we remember his love for us and his sacrifice. It's imperative that we remember that Christ and Christ alone saves us from sin, saves us from ourselves, and makes us his very own people. If we forget Christ... We have forgotten all that really matters. The problem is that there's a lot working against us as Christians in our world, isn't there? Our world, like Timothy's, is in many ways a difficult place to truly live for Christ. We live in a world that is no friend to grace, as someone has said. Many cultures around the world openly reject Christ. Many cultures are, are, are outright hostile to the gospel, outright hostile to our faith in Christ. Believers in many countries are suffering immensely because they profess their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ just as we do. A recent Samaritan, Samaritan's Purse newsletter told the story of an Iraqi Christian man, a teacher who lived in Baghdad with his wife, an 18-month-old baby girl. This man was abducted by Islamic radicals who were trying to destroy the church in Iraq. And these, and these radicals, they took this Christian man and they beat him severely. And then they took a red-hot branding iron and they burned a cross into his forehead 
all the while mocking the name of Christ. Before finally releasing him, these Muslim radicals held and tortured this man for 12 days. That same newsletter related that in Dura, a small community just outside Baghdad, an Islamic terror group affiliated with Al-Qaeda gave the Christians there four choices. Convert to Islam, give your daughters to our fighters in marriage, pay an exorbitant protection tax, or flee for your lives. Can you imagine? Try for a moment to put yourself in their place. What would you do? These are our brothers and sisters in Christ. Their faith is our faith. Let's pray that these believers stay true to Christ, that they remember him. For us here in the West, and especially in America, we don't have to worry too much about being physically persecuted for our faith, though that time may come, and perhaps sooner than many of us think. What works against us as Christians here in the West is not so much outward oppression or persecution. No, what, what works against us is success, material wealth, the love of money, power, influence, and pleasure at our fingertips the endless opportunities for immediate gratification of our senses. Much more subtle, yet just as dangerous. It's tempting for us to love the things of this world because they're so very available to us. From the world's perspective, Western Christians, including every one of us, are wealthy, extremely wealthy. And for you and me, right here in our own community, the lures of materialism, power, and pleasure are very real dangers because they relentlessly call out to us to trade the riches of Christ for the riches of our world. For each of us, the lures of the world may appear slightly different. For some, the lure of this world may be power and status, gaining an influential and respected position on campus or in student government or even a leadership position in the church. <clears throat> For some, it may be achieving a place in a particular social group or, or getting high grades. In a community such as ours, the need to be, or at least appear to be, wise and intelligent is surely a strong lure for many of us. For others, it may be wealth, getting a job that pays more money, or achieving a certain level of economic independence so that you can afford more of the comforts and pleasures of life. Now, in and of themselves, none of these things are wrong. But the question becomes for us, are we spending too much of our energies trying to gain the riches of this world and in the process losing the riches of Christ? Are we focusing too much on attaining power and material wealth and pleasure and forgetting him who is our Savior? It's easy to become captured and ultimately entrapped by all that we have at our fingertips, isn't it? The endless array of pursuits available to us and the dizzying numbers of options vying and competing for our attention make it easy for us to neglect Christ and to forget Christ. The fact is, Christ wants and desires our attention, but he doesn't demand it. 
His voice isn't insistent and loud. He won't force us to listen to him. We have to listen carefully to hear his voice among the cacophony of sounds to which we've become accustomed. If we're not listening carefully for the voice of Christ, if we can't hear him because our attention is captivated by the things of this world, it won't be long until we forget Christ. Oh, I doubt there are many of us here this morning who would actually turn our backs on Christ and walk completely away from him. But it's not difficult to drift away from Christ. Even the godliest among us, I believe, would testify to times in their lives when they've been tempted to engage worldly passions, to pursue wrong priorities, or to compromise in the face of prosperity. It's at these times that we're most tempted to drift away from Christ. And it's at times like this that Paul would remind us, as he reminds Timothy in our passage for this morning, remember Christ. As Jesus asked his disciples, what good will it be for a person to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? I was told recently that some of the Christians in China are praying that Christians here in the West will be forced to face some suffering. Not because they want us to suffer per se, but so that we in the American church will be tested, refined, and purified so that we will remember Christ. Now, I have to tell you, I don't like the idea that someone is praying for me to suffer. It just doesn't sit well, you know? But at the end of the day, brothers and sisters in Christ, I would much rather suffer for Christ and be purified and refined for his glory than to live a respectable, prosperous life with a divided heart and a lukewarm faith that leads me to forget Christ. You and I should be immensely grateful to God for the social and material blessings that we enjoy, for the fact that we're not suffering like others around the world. That's an undeserved gift of God's grace. Thus far, because of our country's heritage, Christians have enjoyed favor in America for the most part. But frankly, I don't believe the favor we now enjoy will last forever. It's no secret that our society is becoming increasingly secular. The divide between the church and the culture is rapidly widening. And I believe that the time is coming, if it isn't already here, when we will no longer be able to embrace Christ and still blend in with the culture in which we live. We will have to choose much more definitively where our loyalties lie. And if we choose to stay true to Christ, the result may well be ridicule, slander, and perhaps even persecution. Like Jesus' first disciples, we too, as individual believers and collectively as the members of the body of Christ, are called to live out Matthew 16, 24. We must deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow Christ. What good will it be for us if we gain the whole world, yet forfeit our souls? So as Christians, we shouldn't expect uncomplicated, easy lives. We should expect to face hardship, trials, difficulties, and even persecution, perhaps. Why? 
Because we are called to follow in the footsteps of our Savior. And the road he walked was one of conflict and suffering. Paul goes on to quote what he calls a trustworthy saying. This is believed to be part of an early Christian hymn. And Paul is probably trying to remind Timothy of the benefits of remembering Christ, of staying true to him. He says there in verses 11 and 12, If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. If we are faithless, he will remain faithful, for he cannot disown himself. Our life is in Christ. He is our hope. And if we endure, someday we will reign with him. That's good news. The hope we have in Christ is worth any price that we might have to pay for following Christ in this life. Paul himself, along with all the other apostles except John, ultimately gave their lives for the one they considered worthy to die for, the one who first died for them. I want to show you a video clip this morning. It's from a DVD called St. John in Exile. It's set on the island of Patmos where John was exiled by the Romans. And John is talking about how the other apostles gave their lives for Christ. Take a look. We have just learned that the Romans in the Greeks' city of Achaia, where he was preaching, the Romans have crucified Luke. Oh, Luke, beloved physician. his mortal voice but the God whispered words he gave us they will never stop them now Jesus said that his church would be a costly bride and as always his prophecy is true her price has proven to be unspeakable terror and rivers of blood Stephen, when Paul, not yet one of us, had him stoned in the streets of Jerusalem. My brother James was next, beheaded for preaching the risen Christ in the temple. Matthias, tied to a cross, draped with carrion, eaten by vultures. Jude Thaddeus, Crucified and shot to death with arrows. Oh, Nathaniel was skinned alive and crucified in double agony. Glory, glory, glory. 
was hanged from the column of a Greek temple. Andrew crucified in Egypt. Matthew beheaded in Alexandria. Mark dragged to death behind a chariot. James Alpheus thrown from Herod's temple roof. Thomas speared by a mob. Simon the Zealot sawed to pieces alive. and Paul were taken in Rome while thousands of believers gorged Nero's lions in the Colosseum Paul beheaded on the Appian Way Peter was forced to watch his beloved wife crucified on Vatican Hill and all through her agony he cried out to her oh thou beloved remember Christ remember Christ Peter felt unworthy to die as Jesus said so he asked to be and was crucified head downward. Beloved, if someone comes to you and says, I will believe your gospel if you can give me one proof, tell them. Tell them of these ordinary men who overturned the world and proclaimed to the very end some from their own crosses the life-giving truth of the triumphant Christ! Except John, all the apostles gave their life for Christ. Timothy, too, gave his life for, for the sake of Christ. He was martyred in Ephesus. And since that time, countless believers through the ages have given their lives for Christ and his church. You and I are here today, worshiping Christ freely and openly in Houghton, New York, because others who came before us loved Christ enough to give him their all. Will we stay true to our Lord? In our society, there are many who profess Christ, but don't remember Christ. That is, they, they name the name of Christ, but they don't keep the commands of Christ or pursue the character of Christ. They don't have or care to have the mind of Christ. What about us here this morning? We may not have to give our lives for Christ in a literal sense, as the apostles did, though that could happen. But every one of us is called to give up our lives for Christ in our daily living. Do you remember Christ in your interactions with others, with family members, friends, colleagues? What about in your business dealings? Do you remember Christ when you're frustrated at work or at school? What about when you don't get your own way? 
or when someone wrongs you, do you remember Christ? Keep me true, Lord Jesus, keep me true. There's a race that must be run. There's a victory to be won every hour by thy power. Keep me true. God's word to us is the same as his word to Timothy through Paul. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Endure hardship like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Remember. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. Because who you are as a Christian depends on your ability to remember Christ. In just a few minutes, we're going to receive communion together. We do this to remember Christ. And what we're to remember most of all is his broken body and his shed blood. Why? Dr. Jack Connell, who many of you know well, puts it this way. Most of us have two problems with our memories. The first is that we forget what we should remember. The other is that we remember what we should forget. My guess is that what keeps many of us from remembering Christ, from living deeply with Jesus, is perhaps something that is lodged in our memory banks that we can't forget. Maybe it's a failed marriage. Maybe it's an abortion. Maybe some bad decisions or some broken promises or, or places where you know you've disappointed God. What we are called to remember is that God forgets. That because of what Jesus did on the cross, as the Bible says, God will remember our sins no more. It's as if the all-knowing, all-seeing God of the universe has taken voluntary amnesia pills. So this morning you are called to remember. Remember Christ. Stay true to Him. But you're also called to forget to remember the love and presence and power of God, but to forget what he has forgotten. Not in an unhealthy way where we repress things or gloss over them, but where we know that because of the cross, God's forgiveness is complete and sufficient. His grace is amazing. And we don't have to be haunted by guilt from this past anymore. That's a hope worth living for and a hope worth dying for. Remember Jesus Christ. Stay true to Him. Keep me true, Lord Jesus, keep me true. Keep me true, Lord Jesus, keep me true. There's a race that must be run. There's a victory to be won. Every hour, by Thy power, keep me true. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you, we thank you, we thank you for the incredible love that you have demonstrated to us through Christ. We thank you that you loved us enough to come and to live for us, and to die for us. 
And I pray that each one of us, in our daily living, would give up our lives for you. Lord, you may never call us to literally, physically die for you. But you call each and every one of us to die for you in our daily living on a daily basis. Lord, as we come to your table this morning, we come to remember, to remember you, Lord Jesus, to remember your broken body and your shed blood on our behalf. We pray that you would bless these elements, this bread and this cup. May they be for us a means of your grace and a reminder of the price you paid so that we might be saved, that we might live for you. And so, Lord, in remembrance of all your mighty acts in Christ Jesus, we ask you to accept this, our sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving, which we offer in union with Christ's sacrifice for us as a living and holy surrender of ourselves. Send the power of your Holy Spirit on us and on these gifts that in the breaking of this bread and the drinking of this cup, we may know the presence of the living Christ, be renewed as his body, and grow into his likeness. And we'll give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen.